I'm Dr. Margaret and welcome to my show Journey into an Unknown World. Every week I try and take something that we're all interested in and try and give a new slant on it. This week I've decided to talk about death. It's not something that people like to really talk about I suppose. It's only when someone dear to us gets sick and faces death or that we hear some tragedy which might be far away but in some way it affects us. If we lose someone famous like Michael Jackson or Princess Diane we immediately find ourselves thinking about how we would feel if we lost someone that we cared about. We've had many tragedies around the world over the last 10 years and we've seen all sorts of wonderful people leave us thinking afterwards, well what happened to them? Or why did this happen to them? Actually Unfortunately, recently we had a lot of deaths in our own family and uh, that was hard to deal with, but one of the hardest ones was when my son's best man drove home from a meeting that they had, a reunion, and uh, on the way home somehow he lost control of the car and died instantly on impact with another car. And of course, we were all stunned. He was young, and no one was expecting such a young life to end. If we talk about tsunamis, for example, that happened in our own country and in Japan, we can see that many, many people lost their lives and their homes, their situations. And again, we look at death. So today, I wanted to talk about death and make it something that you can manage, something that you can deal with and not find yourself cast into a pit of darkness and misery. So let's first of all deal with changes beyond our control. For example, the Earth. Right now, as many of you probably know, the Sun is sending out big solar flares. Some of them are vortices of energy. That energy is affecting our universe and many of our planets are bombarded with that energy including the Earth. So between the Sun and the other planets there is a large, shall we say, storm going on that you can imagine where winds are blowing across the universe and those energies are hitting our earth and that causes our earth to shake, to wobble. And of course when the earth wobbles it shifts to a point where it shakes and we know all about earthquakes. We've seen quite a few of those over the last few years. So what is the earth doing? In a sense, it is dying. Part of the way the world was is shifting so that it can become new in its form. 
Of course, scientists will tell you that the Earth is constantly shifting and changing. The weathers that affect our everyday life. But when we start to get sudden, strange and unusual things happening, it makes us pull up and say, what is happening? We've talked about global warming. We've talked about animals losing their lives. We've talked about the crops failing and so on. And every day of our life we say, something should be done about this. We should all become aware to save Mother Earth. There are a few people who do actually do that kind of work, but most of us are so busy running our lives, getting up early, doing all the things we need to do through the day, and then coming home at night exhausted. And many of the things that we have, we take for granted until suddenly we can't get those things and we don't have the convenience of using those things. So what is actually happening for all of us is that we are being reminded as the earth shifts and as these events happen, we are being reminded that we should not take a life or the life of others for granted. That we should not take the ways of the earth, the way it neutralizes or nurtures it. So we should realize that we are not taking this world for granted. We should understand that the earth nurtures us and provides us with all that we need. But as long as we are saying that there must be someone else out there to provide these things for us, then we find ourselves in trauma when things are not provided. We want other people to come and save us. And of course, if they're busy saving themselves, then we're not really going to get the help that we want to get. So daily, little by little, we are all experiencing death in some way. I know when there was a sugar shortage years and years ago, when I was in my 20s, that everybody went out and hoarded sugar. Well, today, people are hoarding other things. But whatever they are hoarding, does it really mean that they have enough? That they will be able to survive no matter what the Earth does? We've had nuclear energy in this world for a long time. We use it. We need it. But at the same time, we worry about it because it could kill us. So any moment anything happens on this earth, we are reminded that we are but a small dot in the universe of consciousness. I would remind everyone that I did write a book called Pro-Life, Pro-Choice, Pro-Spirit, in which I was dealing with the issues of birth and death. From that point of view, everyone got very angry. Back in those days, people decided who should 
and should not end a life. So we were looking at death in a different way. And here we are, all these years later, looking at death again. Now, we talk about the trees. We talk about how the earth needs to create more carbon dioxide and more oxygen and so on. We talk about the global warming. We talk about how hot it is in our living room. We talk about how expensive the electricity is to run the cool air. We talk about the fact that we don't have much money. All these things we worry about. In fact, I'm sure you can find a list as long as your arm of all the things that you've been worrying about. But let's be dramatic here for a minute. What if there was a natural disaster? What if driving down the road something banged you on the head and you became unconscious and couldn't remember all your worries? Would you feel safe? And what if it was your time to die? Would you be able to accept that when you're dead, you're no longer able to worry? I spend a lot of time now that I'm older, thinking about my life and all the things I've done. I remember my grandma telling me the same thing. She said, when you get old and you get to be my age, you will start looking back and saying, gosh, I've done so many things. She was a woman who traveled all over India with my grandfather, and I know that she did very, very many things that were interesting. I used to sit and listen to all their stories. I wished that I could be as enterprising as they were. But actually, when I look back now over my life, I've done so many things. I've gone from one thing to another, always shifting my view, changing my ideas, and always adapting and carrying a great deal of worry about whether I will be successful or not. And here I am now, saying to myself, all that work, all that energy, all that time has led me to this point in my life. Anything could happen. I could be dead tomorrow. So what would it be like if I died? Well, for me, I already have insight. When I was in my mid-thirties, I actually was dead, yes. My body stopped. I was emotionally, mentally, physically and spiritually dead. They had to give me an injection into my heart. And during that time, I actually saw my spirit guides, the oneness, the light that everyone talks about, and had a conversation about how important it was that I do my work and that I should return to this world. Yes, I was depressed at the time. Yes, I had a lot of problems. And now I can look back and say, wow, I really did a lot of things in the coming years. Things that I would never have thought possible had I have not had that moment of death. 
So for me, I know what death is like. For you, you may have no clue. So I thought it would be a good idea today if I helped you to understand what death is actually all about. When you first entered the world through your mother's womb and on down and out into the physical form that you are, you began your first step towards your death. Now, of course, no one talks about the ending of a life and no one knows when life will end. But the newness of you and the aging of you will ultimately bring you to a point of surrender and a point of death where you will move back into the oneness. So the first thing to think about is where did you come from? In my book, The Way to Oneness, which I'm now rewriting and about to republish, I talk about how in the beginning was the word, and the word was a vibration, and vibration was friction. Friction created heat, light, and of the light came the energy of darkness. For in lightness and darkness, they are both the same. And so we came out of that into a spiritual form and from a spiritual form into physical form. And it is always our journey to return back into the oneness, the universal consciousness of divine love that we might be everlasting. We all speak about the Creator, but who is the Creator? We haven't really seen anyone turn up in our living room and say, hey, I'm the Creator. Some people have said that they've seen spirit guides and angels, and some have even said they hear the voice of God. Can we all know that they are speaking the truth? Can we really understand that their point of view could be ours? Should it actually be our point of view? Perhaps our religions and philosophies and ideas make us see the idea of a spirit angel or God in a different form. Right now, you can go online and you can find all sorts of pictures drawn by so many artists about what they think Jesus looked like or Siddhartha look like. But do we really know? And is it really important that we do know? On Earth, we're taught, notice everything, pay special attention to what everybody says, think about everything you do every moment of the day, worry about whether or not you're doing fine, and then on top of that, add your imagination. What do you think God is like? What do you think your best friend is thinking about you? What do you think the boss at work thinks about your work? And so on. We do a lot of thinking. And so in times of depression, when the mind is in overload, we slip down down into the darkness, but we move towards the light. 
It's in those depressing dark moments that we actually seek the light and when we do we actually come in contact with our spirit self and with our divine journey. So since we're talking about death we have to realize that throughout our life we make lots of ideas and often we kill them off within an instant. So yes, we become murderers. We make sure that our ideas don't come into form. There are other times when we really do think that what we're doing is good. So we put all our energy into it and we birth a new beginning of ourselves. But do we know what others are doing? Can we, by our own life, think about how we are and then compare it with others? Well, of course we can. But can we stand in their shoes, look out through their eyes and say of their mind that their thoughts are our own and that we agree? Well, we may impartial point of view of vision have an idea and feel common ground or we may through discussion say we have something similar in common but we're not actually having the same point of view. In my book The Way to Oneness there's a chapter where I talk about looking at the world through a thousand and one lenses in just one room and every single lens that you look through records one single moment of that perception of how you see the room. By the time you've looked through every camera and seen the room from ceiling to floor and floor to ceiling and wall to wall, etc., corner to corner and so on, you have a pretty good idea of what that room looks like. But have you seen all the details that have been going on in that room while you've been looking? I think not. So when you are coming towards the end of your life, there is a part of you that is processing all those points of views. You start to think to yourself, well, I never noticed that before. Oh, that's a different color from the way I thought it was when I reflect upon it. The memories that I have are all not quite clear. I can't quite see everything. And as you get older, there are some memories that are just sitting there right in front of your face. You can't get rid of them. Maybe you go over and over them because to you there's something there that's important. But then eventually something happens and that particular vision fades away and you don't quite get the meaning of why you worried about it or pondered what you saw or felt. Well, when it's your time to pass over into the spirit world, all those ideas have to be assimilated. And those ideas go right back to the moment your heart started to beat on its own. In those psychic moments, through your own skills of psychometry, clairvoyance, clairaudience, and clairsentience, that smell and taste, you, will, you found yourself able to become aware of who you are in this world. 
Unfortunately, you forgot where you'd been and who you were in the spirit world. So by the time you've lived your life, all the new things you've been doing have to be assimilated by your spirit in preparation for you to return to what we call the spirit world or heaven or ascended realms. Whatever you call it, you know in your heart you're going back there. There have been people who have said there is no life after death. They say that because they're thinking consciously. But if we stop really and listen to our spirit self, we truly know that there is something after death. Over the years, I've been talking to a great many people before they do pass over. And I've noticed that in every case, they are always processing the life that they've lived. When they get to a point near the time of passing, they think about all the people that have been in their life, the influence those people have had on them, the moments of joy that they've experienced and forgotten. They like to talk about those things and in the closer house to death can tell you about the people who've died because they begin to see them in their mind again. In their own intuitive sense, their psychic sense, they believe that those dead people are in the room with them. It is not uncommon for them to have a conversation with someone you can't see and to tell you that they've had this conversation. It may seem to you like it's the ravings of a lunatic or that they're carrying on like a child, but they are in some way being a child again and they are processing their whole life in emotional consciousness of their spiritual growth day by day, year in, year out. Now, when it comes time to actually leave this world, many people are deathly afraid of losing that last breath. They all think they're going to suffocate. So many people have fears of drowning of rushing air by their face, of being suffocated by a pillow or something. Well, I'm happy to tell you that there is no sense of awareness before death of taking the last breath. Even if there was a sudden accident and that person is bleeding out and they know they're going to die, they have no idea when the last breath will come. Just in the same way at night when you go to sleep, you have no idea when that moment will come when you actually do fall asleep. I have to be honest and tell you that over the years in my meditations, I have constantly tried to catch that moment from moving from my conscious mind into my deep subconscious mind going from my everyday self to my spirit self to catch that moment when it happens 
and I have to tell you, I cannot. I'm either in my conscious mind or I'm in my spirit mind. Well, it's the same when it's time to die. You're one minute away, you're aware of yourself and your breathing, and the next minute you're aware of your spirit. Your spirit self kicks in because it has lived in the deep subconscious part of your brain and throughout your body and every cell throughout your whole life. And so it is your spirit self that has kept you here on this planet. Your spirit self knows when it's time to leave and is happy to leave. So this is why you will see all your dead relatives and friends who've come to greet you because they know that this is your rebirthing back into the spirit world. For them, they've been waiting for you patiently for a long time. For you, your life has been short. It's run fast and quickly and the days and years have gone by before you even know it. You've gone from 5 to 20 to 40 to 80 and so on. To them, the spirit world has no time. So in many ways, you haven't been missing that long. But in other ways, they've done so many more things than you have. So there's a lot of catching up to do, and they're ready to share. So as you slip into the darkness, you go into a comfort space where you're not thinking about your breathing, you're thinking about your spirit self. And as you accept that your spirit self knows more than your physical self has ever known, you gently sit up and step out of your body and walk away. There is a book that's very famous called Life After Life, which you might like to read. I'm sure you can find a copy of that on Amazon.com. When the spirit leaves a body, sometimes they like to look back and see their dead shell lying there and to watch the family members mourning just so that they know that they are really dead and that they are leaving the family with a fond memory of all the people who were with them up to the end. Others don't look back. They just turn around and walk into the oneness. Where is the oneness? It's here. It always has been and it always will be. It's just in a vibrational difference that we cannot see on earth. Its dimension is refined, just as your spirit is refined. And once your spirit leaves your body, it moves into the refinement energy of universal consciousness and divine love and is a part of it. Your spirit self is as solid to you then as your physical body is to you now. So you don't have any problems with walking or talking you don't have any problems with feeling others who are in the spirit world. In time, while you're in the spirit world, you will look at this life you've lived. You will see the many ups and downs, the worries, the fears, the anxiety you've had. You'll also see all the joys and pleasures 
the wonderment of your life's existment. You will see just how many people you have touched in your life and affected in a good way. And you will also see how many people have interacted with you in your life to teach you some negative things so that you can outgrow those things. The teacher in you, the student in you, will all be seen and observed. And when you're ready, you'll integrate this life with all the other lives that you've lived in the past. Yes, you have lived before many, many times. And so your return to the oneness means that you will meet new friends and old friends. The new friends will want to get to know the new dynamics of who you are as a spirit and probably plan to come back with you and live in another life. While the old friends will encourage you to assimilate all that's happened some of them may want to live with you again in another life, while others want to be spirit guides. Whatever happens, you're safe. No one has forgotten you when you pass over. People talk about you, remember you. And when you're ready, you can always pop back and listen in on their conversations. You can connect with them, spirit to spirit, heart to heart mind to mind, soul to soul. And you'll know and you'll feel just how much they were impressed by you. I mentioned earlier that when we lost Michael Jackson and Princess Diane and John Lennon, everyone in the world was mourning for them. So you can imagine how they as an individual spirit felt when they looked back at their entire lives. They knew, without any doubt, that they had effectively helped thousands of people in different countries all over the world to think about themselves. No one likes to think of ending a life. No one likes to think of someone taking a life. Unfortunately, it is the way of mankind to do just that from time to time. But let me just say that when a murderer takes a person's life, there is a lesson for all of us. The drama has been acted out for us to realize that we need to keep ourselves safe, that we need to appreciate all the things that we have and use them sensibly. We need to understand that the state of mind in the way that we think about ourselves in this world is important. When someone kills someone, they're unbalanced. Their mind is crazy. They are living examples of death in the physical body. Yes, death of the mind kills the heart, death of the emotions. So they go on automatic, doing really strange things, until ultimately they lose control and do something bad, like taking a life. But why is that person in their life 
available for them to take a life. To put it simply, they have volunteered to be a part of this drama so that we looking on may stop and say, how awful, we need to be more aware of the people who are mentally disturbed. We need to be more aware of the lifestyles we live. We need to care about our country, this planet, and our neighbor. We need to share all that we are with one another so that by the time that we end our life, we can say we lived a good life and we helped everyone be happy and content. I've spent a great deal of time talking about death, but I'd like to end this show on a good vibration and say, let's think about life. From the moment a child is born, they are seen as precious. We need to give them an understanding of how precious they are. We need to praise them and honor them for their efforts, even if they fail. We need to encourage them along their lifestyles and life ways in everything they do, to encourage them to learn as much as they can and always praise them. Whatever we do, a child is listening to us, modeling on us, wanting to be like us. So it's important throughout your life that you become a model, an upright citizen, actively involved in social structures, helping out people who need help, offering your time, space and energy in any way that you can. So don't wait for a tragedy. Don't wait for some bad situation happening on the earth like losing your house in a flood. Reach out beforehand. Share daily. And understand that whether we are at war or in peace, we all need help. So give help. Give it freely, with love, honesty, and trust. And above all else, remember to use your instinct, not to judge, but to know, to become aware. Now, if you've liked listening to this show, I'm sure you'd like to listen to some of my other shows. So please access the archive and download as many shows as you want. They're all free. I would love to have feedback, and I often ask for that and rarely receive it. So if you have time, I'd like a little support, a little encouragement, and maybe some financial support because this show is not free for me. I have to pay for it every week. So if you know someone who is able financially to support this show and keep it going, I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, I'm sure there are lots of other shows you'd like to listen to on this website. Thank you for listening to me and I hope to hear from you in the future.